Hello and welcome to episode 50 of the Critical Twits Gaming Podcast, where we talk once more about Malifaux, and more specifically, Terrain. Welcome back, I'm Brian Ennis. I'm Joe Lewin. And the others are dead, dead I tell you. Where have we buried them, Joe? Uh, Through the breach. Oh yes, cool, yes, they have gone through the breach, have awakened and become sorcerers, inveiglers, palmists. Corpses. Corpses, yes, reanimated corpses. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, it's just the two of us today, Um, but we're going to be talking uh, once more about Malifaux. We are. Uh, another monthly Malifaux. Ah, oh, alliteration, can't beat it. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about a really important but often sort of overlooked aspect of Malifaux, the terrain or the scenery. Yeah, I, I think we generally refer to it as scenery, don't we? Yeah, I don't like the word scenery. I prefer terrain. But we always say scenery. Well, no, yeah. do we? Have we moved on to terrain recently? Because actually I think we might... I think it's. I've got some. I've got some new scenery. I bought some scenery. Yeah, I think we. But we, then, right? What terrain are we using? Yes. Yes. Yeah. You buy scenery, but you play with terrain. Yeah, because scenery is a passive term. Scenery is something that is observed. Yes. You look at the scene. You observe the scenery. Whereas terrain is kind of encountered and dealt with and overcome. Yeah. Yeah, so we buy scenery and play on terrain. Yes, because when you buy it, you look at it, and then when you play, <laughs> it is encountered and used. Um, but yeah, I think it's a. Uh, it's probably a very minor uh, semantic, maybe pedantic point, but um, a game's scenery, a game's terrain should have an impact on the game and how you play it and how you approach uh, the game and how you tactics, how you tactics. Can tactics be a verb? Uh, how you plan and strategize. That's a good term. <laughs> I'm going to tactics this situation. Yes. Yeah. No, um, yeah. It, it's a it's a huge thing. Uh, otherwise, you'd just be playing on an open table. Yes. Like when you play 40k. Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, and this is a thing that I found slightly hard to adjust to um, playing Malifaux was that it needed quite a lot of scenery. Um, well, comparatively to the other games that we have played. Interestingly, I think every single tabletop miniature game is played with not enough scenery. Yes. If you look at the books and what it suggests for coverage of your table, yeah. I very rarely think you ever achieve that. You look at War Machine Hordes, that actually suggests at least 50% of the board is covered in scenery. Yeah. Or did in previous versions, I believe. Um, and how much... Is you you you've played tournaments? And yeah, similar. yeah, and it's a probably about half that. Yeah, there's maybe a big building and a forest and a hill. Yeah, I remember and it's like that. And that if you're if you're build if they've built a game that's designed to have lots of scenery, so you can move around and not just suffer to gun lines. Yeah, if you don't use that scenery, it causes problems and ruins them their tactics. Yes. Yeah. Um. I mean, I remember playing at the gaming club playing yep. some War Machine, and the scenery, there was a lot of tables and not a lot of scenery, yeah. so you would get your one hill. Yes. Which doesn't... Hills don't do a lot, because once you're on the hill, you can see everything. So they're almost like anti-scenery, because you can look over other things sometimes. They are a bit. Um, and you'd get a building and, like, two trees. Yeah. And you'd make pretend that an area was a forest. You wouldn't have a lot there. No, and and I think the game suffers for it because it means certain lists come into dominance. Um, 
Yeah. Whereas with Malifaux, I think we're definitely going in the right direction. We try and chuck loads onto the table. Yes. Um, at some point, when we've got some of it painted and it looks a bit nicer, we'll get some pictures up for everyone to have a look. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely. We'll probably even use a picture of some scenery for this at some point. Or a picture of those teddies running through the things. I like that picture that yeah. we put on Twitter. Um, but yeah, we're looking at. Um, I'm just trying to find the bit in here. The exact amount it recommends is approximately a third of the table covered in scenery. If you were to push everything right up close, tight together. Yeah. Um, which you're looking at a three by three board. So you're looking at one by one. Th- three square feet. Three three by one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you looked. You had yeah, doubting no, Brian's maths face. No, because because I haven't explained it well. No, it's because yeah. you you do like a third of yeah a third of three by one is uh, three by three is three by one. Yeah. But a third of three is one. So my one one by one. No. Cause yeah. That's a, a That'd sixth, be a ninth. A ninth. Yeah. Yeah. Gee, maths is hard. Yeah. When ill. Yeah. Uh, areas because <laughs> they get multiplied can be tr- difficult. Yes. Uh, if any of my students are listening, please do some maths and send it to a different teacher. I don't teach maths. I don't care. Um, I have to embed it because of the law. <laughs> just shoving a protractor into them. Yes, that is exactly how you embed mathematics. <laughs> so yeah, there, there are there are a lot of things that that come up with it, and I know I've got preferred and hated bits of scenery because it it's an amazing thing to have all this terrain on a board um, that you can go running over and through and into and all this kind of stuff, but. I think while not having enough is a bit too much is isn't good. Having too much can get in the way. Yeah. And certain types of scenery can just drag games out and become awkward. Yes. Yeah. Um but actually it's one of those things that I think the Malifaux rulebook does very well because it encourages you to define it. Yes, yeah, and we'll come to that in a in a second. I think what this podcast is to do is to encourage people to look again at their scenery collection, yeah. make sure they're playing games with enough. Because scenery can be expensive or it can be time-consuming to build. Um, It takes up a lot of storage space. Um, It's one of those things that gets kind of pushed to the back. You you focus on your shiny models because they're the things you use every time. You might not use scenery or your scenery every time if you go play somewhere else. Yes, yeah. Um, But we've been... I mean, I've essentially... I've set myself the challenge of, of getting enough stuff together for two gaming boards. Yep. Um, and I'm well on the way to that now. We've, we, um, I mean, we've got enough uh, three between all of us. Yes, now. yeah, definitely. Because um, I can cover a board, you can cover a board, and then we've got enough stuff left over to do a third if we need to. Yeah. But... Um, so we like scenery. We do. But you do need to consider maybe the practical aspect of what you're you're getting. I mean, I saw something you were showing me just before we started recording, Joe, was... Um, there's like a circus ground, and there was this enormous, great big, like, is it like a wheel, Ferris wheel yeah, kind of thing? Yeah, it's a big thing? Ferris wheel on there. And I just know I just knock it over all the time because <laughs> it's it's got a very small footprint and it sticks up loads, and you're reaching around. That sounds naughty. Uh, you're reaching over things, you're trying to pick stuff up, you're moving things around, tape measures are wangling everywhere, and I just knock it over all the time and get very annoyed. See, I. That's not the issue I pulled up with it. Yeah. Um, and this isn't this isn't a criticise of the the post that might be listening to this. The, the, no, the board no, looks no. really nice. Oh, it's lovely stuff. The the thing I don't like, and this is I think this is where some people come into a problem. Like, 
building a dedicated board. I think we were going to talk later about whether you should have things modular or set or loose or everything else. But if you've got this, if you want a really nice display board that looks pretty to put things on, yeah. it's probably not going to be a good gaming board. Yeah, because it's very nice to have the middle bit open so you can see what's going on. Yeah, and that doesn't always transfer well. I mean, we nearly always have something big in the middle of the board to kind of force yes, yeah. things to happen. Um, Just normally pushes. ever so slightly off from the centre so you can still access the centre for schemes. And yeah, well, I think, well, I think we normally yeah. set it up with something in the centre and then go, right, we'll just shuffle that over if we need, need to. to. Yeah. Because yeah. we like our symmetry of things being where they should be. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like, I like a bit of symmetry. Uh, I set... Um, I sometimes use a bit of scenery to mark the centre point if yeah. you're playing like a turf war or something. Um, and, and a big you... bit of blocking scenery that becomes the centre itself. Using yeah, some um, big um, gravestones. And yeah, gravestones like or um, we've got that kind of henge that I've got. Like the, the standing stones. Oh, yes. Yeah. That works really nicely because you can see through it yeah. at certain but angles. If you're fighting over the centre of the board... And you maybe be fighting I'm going, over something. Yeah, if I'm going off on sort of a tangent, yeah, it's not. Let's run over to that empty space and secure that, guys. It's like right. Let's take the tactical position. Yeah. Let's take you know the standing stones in Malifaux might be full of arcane power or weird rooms or similar that you want to investigate or feed people to, depending on the faction that you're playing. It might just be where the resident squirrels hide all the biscuits. You never know. Yeah. But it's something to <laughs> something to fight over. To be honest, I've fought over biscuits before. Um punched a man out for a bourbon cream once well who, who hasn't oh yeah yeah i think one of the one of the things that and the, the biggest thing it will you'll find is that certain factions will become more powerful or less powerful depending on the scenery used yes so yeah. if we played on an open board my arcanists that have lots of range stuff would yeah completely and have in the past crushed Colin's resurrectionists as yeah. he shambles towards me yeah because I can just lay down a lot of fire at range I know some of your guild crews ah my Sonya crew for instance just, which I get scared off at range yeah the other ranged crew yeah um so, so yeah, you, you need to... If you're all playing melee-only stuff, then you you could just play on an open board. It wouldn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. So much. But because because ranged weapons are a thing, and especially when you've got those horrible guild sniper tracker things uh, that can shoot the length of the board... Oh, my... Um my outcasts have a the outcast one yeah. sorry yeah well the guild have similar things as well that can yeah. shoot really far you've got models like hands that can shoot 36 inches so he could, yeah. he could in theory shoot from one end of the board to the other it should be difficult for him if not impossible to line up a shot like that because otherwise he's the most powerful model on the board and that's exactly the point um in a game where your your average long range gun might be or shot might be 12 you know, because that, that's a fairly good range in Malifaux to have, mostly. Um, yeah. You you can get away a little bit because you, you have charge... That's kind of where charge and threat ranges are coming into it. Yeah. For melee models anyway. But yeah, the the moment you have any, any models that, in, that go beyond that, you do get into this horrible thing of going, well, I don't really know how to approach that crew. And going back to, like, mentioning War Machine... You would have signal gun lines that would just line up and go. Oh, come on, because because in tournaments there's not that much scenery normally. Because on top of having to have table space, they're going to have to have 
a fuckload of scenery to supply yeah. the tables with a third to 50% coverage. Yeah, if you're talking three square foot, then if four, you've got... Um, four wall machine. Yeah, so... Or six by four boards on some of them. Yeah, so, but the amount of scenery, I'm just thinking, say, maybe for a Malifaux tournament, you've got three, yeah. three, three one-by-one squares, so three-by-one, so three square feet. You've got 12 boards to have 24 players. That sounds, sounds like a, a, fair. Yeah, reasonable. So 12 boards times three square feet. You're suddenly looking at 36 square feet of scenery. Yep. That's that, a lot. It is. It's either a lot of time or a lot of money, potentially both. both. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially because if you're doing a tournament, you want it all to look nice and painted and, and good. Yeah, you can't go, you must have painted models for this tournament, which is a completely other different thing that yeah. people argue about. But you can't say you must have painted models for this and then fight your way around the stacks of books I'm using for hills. <laughs> Um, and and there's this nothing, bit of paper that has forest written on it. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. No, no. And I've played many games just like that. Yeah, and that's that's great, especially if you're not big into your modelling, and we'll, we'll come into that a bit later. Or if you know money is tight and you'd rather spend your money on your cruise or you've not got the storage space, there's lots of other things you can do. But, yeah, you expect at a tournament a certain level of... Um, quality, yes. perhaps. And people and- will, will judge you. And as the organiser on the quality of your scenery, it is a unique phenomena to war games as well. You don't you don't turn up to a, a netrunner tournament and be like, "Well, where's where's my map to play on? Yeah, where's where's the nice hills and the weird LED lights and lasers that make it yeah. look like a thing?" I want a Game Boy and some mirror shades now. <laughs> stat. I mean, I'd love to be a doctor just running around shouting stat. Like a, could you not be a, a statistician? that would possibly run around stat you're just pointing at percentages yes yeah (laughs) there are three people at that bus stop stat same word different usage possibly equally entertaining if you just want to shout stat yeah cool we'll try that later yes excellent (laughs) Um, yeah so um, I think Malifaux as well is kind of uniquely positioned in the way that it plays in needing the scenery the, the amount of scenery um partly because it's a skirmish game yep so you have very few models so you don't need to be pushing a unit of 10 people by three people in a giant block through a massive great big yeah. thing or worrying that half your corn berserkers are in the difficult terrain and the other half are just skipping through the meadow uh, waiting for jeff to climb over that tree yeah, yeah. P- picking up the sparrows and ripping their heads off Sniffing flowers and laughing. That's, That's all corn berserkers do. That's why it takes so long. That's why it halves their movement. It does, yeah. These things take time. Yeah. Oh, a squirrel. Ah, oh, can only go one inch today. Oh. Um, <laughs> but I killed it. And actually, for the blood uh, god. Just, just, just on, just as we're as we're bigging up Malifaux, possibly. I like the fact that scenery effects are consistent. I don't like the idea of running up to the forest and then rolling your 2d6 to see which how many inches you can go through it. That used to annoy me. It's like, have the trees moved? To be honest, actually, What's going on? if we're taking it, that if, if you're just playing corn armies and every time you go into a thing, you're basically rolling for how much woodland life there is they have to murder on the way through, that's acceptable. Shit, that's the worst possible example I could have had. Anybody else from the rest of any of the game... Um, <laughs> But I remember that from Warhammer 40,000. It was randomised. It was. Uh, and it, was, it is was in a lot it. of games. Um, and it's annoying. I don't, you know, I don't like random effects. 
Mm. Um, when they they put random charge distances in. Yeah, it's like what has, has, has Jeff got a limp today? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> if you put the, the shoes on the How wrong feet. How much gravel's in the way now? <laughs> yeah, oh, lots. Don't get into combat. Yeah, it it doesn't work. So, like you say, consistency is nice because in a game that you we we play these games to outsmart and out tactics the other person. <laughs> it is a verb. <laughs> <laughs> so, to be defeated by not rolling high enough because your bloke stumbled is a bit rubbish. I can see the argument for but it's a bit realistic because you might not always run as quickly. Yeah. Fuck, fuck off. I'm not I'm not <laughs> do you know, I'm not playing the ultra realism game. Yeah, you know, when my giant teddy bear's running towards your wooden puppet man in an effort to try and eat him to appease um his semi-demonic overlords, realism may not be the the key it's, thing. This is it. So what what I like is like you say the the uh, consistency of it to be able to say, "Well, I know it's going to cost me this to plan ahead properly and mm. again, out tactics your opponent." Yeah. Um, so in building and using terrain in, in Malifaux, you need to have a variety of terrain. And yes. the, the rule book, eventually, when we found it... Oh, I love Malifaux, but the rule book is, is mad. The index under terrain <laughs> gives one, two, three, four different page references, none of which actually explain the rules of terrain. It's no. over the page from one of those. Um but it does give lots of different types of terrain. Yeah. So in order to um, to sort of maximise the fun and the tactics potential, um, you know, to, to, to be able to sort of mix up your game and get you thinking, because, you know, good, you know, oh, I want to outflank him, but there's the woods, so I'll send these particular models through. Because they those might have unimpeded models. or something. Yeah. Like that, yeah. Um, you know, it changes the way you approach the, uh, approach the game. You've got different types of terrain. You've got blocking terrain. Um, which blocks line of sight, hence yes. why it's called blocking. But so it gets only in the way. Line of sight. Yes. So, because I've winced about this before, Aaron's bloody smoke bombs from his ten thunders that create blocking terrain. You can walk through them. Yes. There was a period we were playing it that it, it was, but it blocks you. You can't get in there. <laughs> and I was getting really annoyed that it made no sense. Yes, yeah. That was just bad interpretation of rules. Yeah, can't be seen through. That's the only thing it says yeah, about. So you can go uh, stand blocking. in it. Yes, yeah. Uh, whereas if it was, say, if it was uh, solid, uh, because, like, uh, for instance, people can create columns of fire or yeah. giant trees and things like that, um, you might get impassable terrain, which means you can't walk through it. Can for you instance. see through? Oh, no, because it would be blocking impassable. Yes, it? yeah. So it, th- this you is would, the you thing. You stack your categories. Yeah. So you put a wall down and you know it's impassable. You, know, you, you can't walk through walls. It's fairly challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen? Have you seen or read the Men Who Stare at Goats? Uh, I saw the film. Where the, does the guy? I've not seen the film. Yeah. I've read the book. Does he try to run through the wall? Yes. Yeah. Cool. It's very funny. It's based on real life. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah good. A, a tip for your weekend: things to, to <laughs> read and listen. To. Go go watch, watch that film for an in-depth analysis of how terrain affects your movement. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what am I talking about? Um, you've got. Climbable terrain, you can climb up and down. Um, especially good if you're going to be using buildings, things with different layers, height, that kind yeah. of stuff. Buildings with flat roofs, anyway. Yeah. No, yeah. no one wants to try and balance a model on a uh, triangular tile roof. No, yeah, we would assume that those bits would be impassable. 
yes. Um, you might have dense terrain, so things like forests. Um, trying to think of some other examples for dense terrain. Um, you might have like a um, wheat field or something if oh, you're doing yeah. an agricultural type area. That sounds nice. What, the word agriculture or having wheat fields on the uh, terrain? Yeah, I think uh, it's a nice, pretty image. Yeah. I've seen some uh, nice World War II boards. with They have um, a lot of stuff like that. And yeah. then you can, if your men move into the field, you can actually pick up the wheat and then put your men in it. Yes. Generally sort of for forest bushes, those kinds of things, uh, which you can see into and out of, but yeah. you can't see if the model is entirely on one side uh, and the other model it wants to see is entirely on the other side of it. Yeah. They can't see each other. Yeah, so as much as, again, we're not, we're, you, you do throw a bit of realism out of the window because if you're a millimetre out, that's fine. If your base overlaps it by a millimetre, you can be seen. Yeah. But this is the same in, in any game you play. It has mechanics to make these things work. Yeah, um, it, it has a nice, clearly defined edge, at least, so and that, that and it's that's easy it. to plan well, for and use. When using dense terrain, you should make sure there is a clearly defined edge. Yeah, we actually we've been using some... Uh, trees glued onto CD bases. Yeah, thank C- you, Colin. CDs. They're just CDs. The CD becomes a base when you glue the tree upon it. It's not a CD base. That's not a thing. Um, well, it is a thing. You get those ones with the pillar in the middle that you put the CDs on. Oh, shit. Yeah, we weren't using those, though. No, we weren't. I was talking rubbish. You could you could paint the middle bit to look like a tree. A tree. Yeah, they just <laughs> stick a sponge on top and have a, a giant tree with a big round area. Um... Yeah, we were using those, and to make a larger area of wood, because CDs aren't that big, unless you're very, very small, um, you could put like two or three of them next to each other, yeah. but then you end up with a weird kind of bobbly round edge sticking out. and it was... Figure of eight shaped wood. Yeah, and you're like, where so does the go, wood actually do, begin? Yeah, do we do we draw imaginary lines to block those bits off because it's silly? Um, so yeah, pro tip, don't use CDs as facing <laughs> things. For stuff that might want to go next to each other. Yeah. Well, at least for dense terrain. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you've got your edges clearly defined there. Um, You've got um, enclosed terrain. So, you might have a building and decide that people can't go in or out of it. Especially if you can't take the roof off. An old boarded up thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which blocks off a nice bit of of the board. Means you've got to move around it. Got to plan for it. Probably give you cover using its walls. Yeah. Um, I've got quite a lot of buildings... Um, that we've only just really started using the rules to actually sort of go inside and use. Yeah. Um, and mostly we've been playing them as being enclosed, just a sort of block. Um, and that works fine. Yeah, it does. Um, it does. Um, if, if you're one of these people that really like being able to really take advantage of things, um, like obviously we've got Rob very much likes the sort of the role play aspects and things yeah, like that, being yeah. able to go into buildings and then awesome you can go further and create rules for bar- barring doors and that kind of stuff but yeah generally yeah we we mostly just play as them all being enclosed yeah some of the um, or whatever some of the uh do, 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 the sort of story encounters in the rule book um would benefit actually from things like that there's like a bar fight in there yeah. and things like that that you could you could actually i saw a really nice board on a weird place that was modelled to be, represent the inside of Jacob Lynch's casino. Yes. And it was really, really was nice. Absolutely lovely. Really, it, completely different to what you'd expect from, yeah. a, from a gaming board. I mean, I've got, we've got some trees and some buildings. Yeah, as opposed yeah. to like 
casino tables and um, this kind of that kind and of stuff. a stage and yeah. all those kind. Of, but yeah, it looked really really nice. So you know you can you don't have to be constrained by what we say and what we've been using, obviously. Um, you've got terrain that gives you cover, soft cover and hard cover. Yep. Um, which are fairly straightforward. Hard cover is more coverous. It gives you Your more soft, protection. Soft cover makes it harder to hit. Hard cover makes it harder to wound them as well. Yeah, because you can shoot through a bush without the bullet really being deflected. Yeah. But you know, if you're shooting at someone and they're behind a wall, and you're ever so slightly off, the wall's going to take the impact rather than them. Yeah. Um, you might have impassable terrain, um, and generally, as we said, things like walls will stop you. Um, well, depending on their height, which is a big thing to bring up as yeah, well. Yeah, so you might make them climbable. Um, you might do part, something else yeah, with them. Yeah, and part of the reason you want this variety of terrain is because Malifaux uses this height system. Yeah. Um, so you normally have height 1, height 2, height 3 models. Yeah. So if you've got a height 2 wall, cool, most you people can hide about or behind it because the human is height 2. Yeah. But you might have a height 3 person stood behind the wall shooting over it. Yes, um, yeah. So those or a height one wall, a height two and a three, height two or height three person could probably walk over it or climb over it. A height three person isn't really going to be cut in the way of by a height one yeah. wall. Yeah, it's like stepping over a toddler. Um, it so Sam, that sounds fraught with danger. <laughs> it, it, it is. Yeah, it's uh, it's an extreme sport all on its own. <laughs> Where do they get the to- toddlers from? If it was to catch on as an extreme sport, you'd end up with sort of toddler farms in the third world. I'm pretty sure they're called council estates. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Excellent. The cat looks shocked. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So you, you can you can define this. We'll come to the definitions in a in a second. Um, one thing I don't we don't have that. I keep meaning to make something for yeah. is some hazardous terrain. Yeah. That deals damage if you um, activate within it or Mo- enter it. Right. Um, and I wanted to do some things. I mean, Malifaux has a nice, um, a nice sort of background, a nice sort of setting for this kind of thing. Uh, we've got quite a lot of ruins, for instance. Yes. So I was thinking just a normal bit of ruin, maybe a few walls, a few bricks scattered around yeah. and maybe a trap door with some tentacles coming out of it and there's something yeah. that lives in the basement and if you're in the building it reaches out and grabs you as dark souls fans yeah we could take any of the ruins and stick a bunch of ghost arms coming out oh that yeah that'd be that'd be a quite easy way of yeah of so a it. haunted bit of terrain this yeah. building is haunted it's hazardous you might just paint some really bright bright glowing runes on some of your terrain and have it as a field of it's just pulsing with energy that will damage you yeah i was going to use um there's a hero clicks model of a man-eating plant yes and i was going to stick a couple of those in one of the forests and have a forest that eats you if you go in like a, so it has all the characteristics of a forest, but you've got these plants that might like eat the you. Jungles of Katachan. Yeah, 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 that was a thing. That was, yeah. Hmm. Um, all of which fit with the uh, with the game. Do we just pop your aloe vera plant? That looks fairly deadly. It, it is a bit scary, actually. Although it's got a bit floppy at the end, so I'm not quite sure if it's okay. It's a bit dry. You can send in any uh, gardening tips. Yeah, gardening tips. Uh, we've got a lot of cactuses that, that are dying. 
um, on a semi-regular basis, only once each, but there are a lot of them. <laughs> um, they're not, we're not resurrecting them. Special Easter cactuses. Yes. Yeah. Zombie cacti. <laughs> Make your own cactus Jesus kit. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah. Uh, we've also got some weird kind of white fungusy mold stuff growing on it. So any any tips on? And I suppose Google it yourself is a good enough gardening <laughs> tip. But if you've got any extra tips uh, forged in the crucible of experience, we'll uh, pay you in biscuits. We will. We will. It's good. Um, so yeah, why is it good, Joe, to have a variety of these different things? Why not just build loads and loads of forests and stick them down? Uh, mostly because I mean, it'd look nice wouldn't it it'd, it'd look kind of cool I'd, um, and there are certain armies I've played in the past that would love to play on a fully forested board yes um, but it adds a little bit of variety it adds again to this ability to think to yourself well where am I going to get the most benefit from putting my models yeah if I've got a height 3 person with a gun that I can put behind a wall that's height 2 to give him cover but he can still see everyone, that's where I'm going to go put him. Yeah. Um, and it also I mean, it opens up the sort of the counterplay ideas as well, of thinking, well, I know where they're going to put that, because that's yeah. the ideal place. Um, so, I mean, that, that's that's one reason it's good. Um, variety is, is just a good thing to have in life if, you, um, if you're always playing on the same board with the same things in a similar place yeah it can get a bit dull i mean we yeah. we have often have one kind of city streets build built up yeah to what we use and one um more rural kind of thing where there might be a couple of ruins more sort of wildernessy things yeah. so there's a couple yeah. of forests a couple of ruins maybe a hill or two yeah and so i th- i think it just keeps the game fresh Yes, yeah. When you talked about that kind of trying to outthink your opponent, yeah. the game is, on some level, it's a puzzle. You know, building your yeah. list is a puzzle. How do I get the right models to achieve uh, my strategies and schemes? Yeah. Having a varied board setup will change the puzzle for you. Definitely. It will make things different. Having a turf war where that entire middle part of the board is a forest completely changes how you approach it how what models you might take yeah. um what tactics will and won't work what's good and not good in that well, particular it. you want you want some unimpeded things that can maybe get well, there well quickly, you're going to want yeah. some some people that can shoot into it yeah for a start uh they're probably going to want the same so you might want something unimpeded that can run through and engage the things that are shooting into it yeah um Maybe some things that would be a bit fragile and not stay around so much would be better because they're going to get this cover bonus. Yeah. So yeah, this is it can massively change yeah. what you're after. Whereas if you were to say put a graveyard down in the middle of the board for that particular, um, you know, for that for the yeah. turf war, you're then going, oh, well, actually, I've got a couple height one models that could hide behind the gravestones and completely, just be almost immune to enemy fire. Yeah. yeah. Um, or I've got. Um, these things that get a positive flip to damage which will negate the, the negative f- uh, flip that they're probably going to get because they're hiding behind something tough yeah. and then it starts to you know it starts to change the way you approach the game yeah there's there's a lot of depth and, and I think this is true of nearly every single game I've played of mm. any model war game um, I think there's a very strong case you can make for the movement phase being the most important phase of the game 
or what was the movement phase the, the ability where you put your models matters a lot yes um, so when you take a walk action or a charge action where you go matters and again the terrain affects that yeah, I mean, I did start ages ago and talk about why Malifaux works really well with varied and lots of terrain, yeah. because movement is much more key. There's a lot more movement effects in Malifaux than yeah. any other miniature war game or skirmish game I've ever played. Um, you can generally, in a miniatures game, you can move your own stuff. It's very rare to be pushing and pulling other people's things or moving your own things around using other effects. Yeah. Um, Whereas it's very common in Malifaux to, to have pushes pull uh, well pushes um, having models that do it are more commonplace definitely yeah, i mean yeah. you can you can make um like most of the games workshop stuff no you you move your stuff you don't yeah. touch the other players things yeah um when it I comes saw a to kid, kid burst into tears and ran out the shop because uh, someone in lord of the rings when you want to fight you push the enemy model an inch back yeah and he pushed the guy's cave troll back and the kid burst into tears and ran away oh sad i oh, know it was was highly odd it stuck with me yeah. 12 years ago when Lord of the Rings and Games Workshop were a thing yeah. <laughs> but you um, you can make there are lots of effects that do it more and more now in stuff like War Machine and I think it is a because of how important movement is yeah. that having stuff like that so you can actually uh, displace other people's things and push them off objectives it, it adds rather than just having to oh it's sat there I just need to kill it now yeah it becomes a big thing. Um, like 40k, I used to really like the Nurgle plague bearers. Yeah. Because you jump them on an objective and go, oh, you're never getting rid of them. They live there now. Yeah. Whereas being able to go, well, I, I push them back, I make them run away, any, anything like that um, yeah. really does work. Pulling yeah. people out of cover so you can murder them with a shotgun. Yes. For example. Yeah, um, yeah Beckoners in the last yeah. game I played. Actually, the Beckoner died really, really quickly, but it did do one good thing. Yeah, for the to go, come here, yeah. Come, yeah. Come, come, come out from behind the wall. Yeah. Bang. Good. Yeah. So there's kind of two elements to this when you're setting up your game, just to, to bear in mind, is obviously make sure the game is playable. Yes. The terrain. I like to try and set up so you can... You're staring off at the ceiling. Just looking to see if your clock's working. No, that hasn't worked for years. Um, yeah, there's two things to bear in mind when you set up your, your game. Um, is how is it going to play? Yep. So if you do have, for instance, um, I set up a board the other day and we had to place a marker on the centre of the board that would then be interacted with and changed over and realised, because I put something really big in the middle of the board, no one could reach the centre of the board. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, a little bit of, of jiggling around just to make sure the game itself is playable. Should be obvious when you come to place these things out. Yeah. Um, I like to look as well at how it looks. So quite often if we mix, say, the cityscape with the forest, we'll almost have like a um, edge of the city. So yeah. you might have part of the board is... Um, is all the city stuff, and the other part of the board is the is the forest, and and making sure it's fairly placed as well. Yeah, um, there was a really good system actually when I first started playing Warhammer Forty Thousand back in Forty K Second Edition. I think this is going to be exactly what was coming to mind. Really, mind. Oh. and I'm less keen on it 
but carry yeah, on. Yeah, but you would roll, you would dice off, yeah. and then you would you'd you'd divide the board into quarters, and each quarter would get a piece of scenery. So you'd yeah. go to the scenery collection, you'd pick a piece of scenery, you'd put it down, then your opponent did yeah. the same, and you'd just alternate like that. Although there are flaws to that particular system, and yeah. you'd probably be you'd be maybe restricting yourself a little bit. The idea of both players being involved setting up the scenery or an outside party doing yep. it to keep it fair is good. This is why you have a flip to decide deployment zone. Yes, because... Because you board, could be anywhere. Yeah, and if the board isn't set up well, that flip can be even more important. Yeah. Um, but, again, hinging a game on something like that isn't good. So whoever is setting up the board, whether it's the two players, one of the players, an outside member whatever it, it should be fairly balanced yeah and once you've played a few games you'll be able to look and go oh it might be interesting if this is here or this is yeah. here do you want to or- leave a corridor here where people can just murder each other with guns yeah because that could be interesting at some point yeah and it will look like a city street and then we'll have the ruins on either side and then maybe we'll break it up with this or you can come round that way yeah yeah um, checking lines of sight can be quite a nice way of just looking down so if a model was here here or here looking down over the board well, where how, would it be how able much to of see? a threat area have they got yeah. can they, can they if, shoot anywhere on if the Hans was here with his 36 inch range would he be able to sit somewhere and see everything and so never see? have to move yeah. again yeah yeah or do you actually want someone who's using a model like that and there's nothing wrong with that I like Hans he's good yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know maybe give them a choice an option they have to think about it yeah. At which point you're more engaged with your game. Yes. And this is the whole thing with scenery. A good scenery, an interesting scenery placement can maximise your engagement with the game. Definitely. Uh, I remember seeing you playing Colin, uh, Joe, and uh, yeah. Colin was using his Resurrectionists, so very melee-oriented. You were using your Arcanists. And du- I took during our um, Shifting Lords Shifting campaign. campaign where I'd managed to get Howard a chain gun <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, every single model in my crew at that point had a gun. Yes, everything had ranged. And I looked across at the board as you guys were sort of setting up and I went, is that really how you're playing? And you went, yeah, Colin's happy with this. And I went, Colin's lost and he lost. Because there just wasn't enough stuff. It's quite open at the end you're on. Do you want to move some stuff around? No, it's fine. Yeah, and I think there's, there's partly... I think maybe some people might see that as a imposition on their ability as a gamer. You're going to get killed if you don't. I'm good enough. I could, I won't get killed. <laughs> um, but also, I think especially if you're used to playing other games, you look at the board and you go, oh, "That's quite a bit of scenery," and it's not actually, no. or it's not correctly placed, or it's it's it favours one style <laughs> over another. Because you can get just as bad a thing if I was to, <coughs> if we were to then play. Uh, I was to play your Arcanist Joe and I was to fill 90% of the board with forests mm-hmm. and then use all my melee stuff. Like the Victorias? Yes. Or I'd, I'd be sad. Yeah, if I was to use my Pandora crew where loads and loads of things can just run through because they've got incorporeal, so they just yep. run through the trees laughing, uh, literally probably in the case of the, yes. uh, the madnesses, um, you know, you would be at a huge disadvantage. Yeah, and, and so... And it comes, there's this massive um, weight that really should be put onto scenery. Yeah. Like not not getting kilogram lumps and holding everything yeah. down, but yeah, just making sure that it's it's done well because it really yeah. can 
alter your enjoyment yeah. of, a, of a game. But you might want to go, okay, let's play, let's play a game and use all of the buildings and make really, really narrow streets yeah. and have Seamus running around murdering people in the streets and almost use the scenery to build yourself a scenario. Which is awesome. Yeah. And again, I think this is one of the things, actually, that Malifaux does really, really well compared to a lot of other games. A lot of other games you turn up and you go, right, well, this is my army. Oh, that's the board we're playing on. I've lost. Yeah. Whereas in this you go, oh, that's the board we're playing on. Well, I'm not taking those things. Yeah, yeah. This is my faction that I'm playing. Yeah. And um, it, it becomes very different, So while, while in your... I'm going to run Pandora on the forest board thing. I I would go oh, okay, cool. So I won't take um, the Oxfordian mages. I won't take Rasputina and try and shoot everything to death. I'll yeah. probably take something like Ironsides, who's quite punchy. Yeah, um, Howard would be really good because he gets his free move and stuff as well. Yeah, and you yeah you start then trying to trying to aim it around that. Yeah, so. Um, yeah just make sure everyone's happy before you set up and then that key thing of defining the scenery um, it is one of the steps yes it is step one of playing a game in the Malifaux rulebook define and place terrain but I think like you mentioned earlier your no I'm a good gamer I know what things are attitude yes yeah comes into this I very much have that and then I certainly go how how do walls work again (laughs) (laughs) but being able to just, just even just saying that's height one, that's height two, that's height three matters a lot in Malifaux. Yeah. Other games which have got true line of sight, which comes with all its own problems, doesn't have that particular issue. Whereas in this defining that's a height two wall, that's a height one wall, etc. Yeah. Is a very good thing to do. Is that dense? Yes. Yeah. Is it severe? Does it reduce your movement? Is it hazardous? All, all is necessary information for each person at the beginning of the game. Yeah, so everyone can plot and plan, and there are no surprises. Yes. Uh, apart from red and black jokers uh, throughout the game, they're good surprises for a game. Yes. But realizing that your opponent thought they could climb the wall, and, and you're saying you can't climb the wall, and then you have an argument about it halfway through oh, the game. Oh, but I've moved this. I spent two turns moving to that wall because I thought I could climb over it. I wouldn't yeah. have done that, etc., etc. Yeah. yeah, especially if you're playing with new stuff or with people you don't play with very often. Yeah. Uh, really, really useful in tournaments. Yeah, um, I I did hear of a, a tournament game where someone was playing. Uh, people were playing, and, and they, the guy said, "Can I these roofs of these buildings, flat yeah. roofs, um, with lipped edges? Can I?" Um, can I get up there? Can we can we use the roof? The yeah. guy said yes. Um, so he ended up with loads of goblins uh, that he'd managed to get up onto the roofs that then couldn't be seen because they had a lipped edge yeah. that were then just throwing scheme markers down for schemes. And he said that that you know he felt very bad and probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, I because mean, the other guy just had no counter to it. Uh, having models that can um, deploy anywhere on the board. Yes, yeah. Um, Often with guns, that sniper thing. There's, You've got a couple of sniper things. I've got a couple of shooty things, the December Acolytes, for example. Yeah, the uh, I played um, I played against uh, our good friend Rob, um, and he had Swamp Fiends that started wherever they liked. Yes. Uh, as, uh, as an upgrade on Zerada. Yeah. Which I was not expecting, and I ended up massively bottlenecked because of the terrain. Yeah. Uh, when I wasn't expecting it. And it was good, it was a challenge, it was interesting. But if you've gone, 
no, no, there's no ladders. You can't climb up there. And they yeah. go, oh, okay, I'll put this guy on there. So, it's, again, it's thinking these things yeah. through. It's if a you, model that can't be attacked for the game. You've just given them three shots at you. If you can't get up to somewhere easily, don't let things yeah. get up. Well, how did he get up there, then? Yeah. Would be my, my thing with it. So, yeah, just defining, you've got a roof. We've got a building with a flat roof. Yep. And we always go, can we go up there? Can we not? Sometimes we'll put a ladder up. Sometimes we'll go, yep. no, we won't bother. Or just say, you can climb up any any wall. It costs this much. Yeah. Agreed? Yep. Yeah. Cool. So as long as everyone's clear, um, it's fine. But it does also, it just makes you talk to your opponent and make sure you know what's yep. going on beforehand, uh, which is good. And you might, in that conversation, you might come up with a new way of looking at something. You might come up with a... Oh, wouldn't it be good? Actually, that that looks like a, a weird plot. Why don't we make this bit hazardous? That'd be interesting. Yeah, all right, cool. We'll do that for this game. Yeah, because the objective marker's going to go in there. Yep. That'd be quite cool to have to fight. Uh, in, you, know, you might organically find some some manner of interest. Um, so hopefully we've sold you on the, the whys and the, the practical implications for, for scenery. Um, I suppose there's, there's, there's different ways of, of doing things, isn't there? You've got modular scenery. So... Yep little bits and pieces of, of scenery well, that you can move around on yeah. a on a generally a flat board that you've made. Well, I, I, I generally think of that as being your, your standard scenery. You have yeah. your little bits. Now, when I think modular, I tend to think like table quarters that can oh, be rearranged. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, like proper big things that interlock. Games Workshop do that plastic <coughs> table, don't they? they it's do. a six by four. So, one, two, I'm trying to do maths. Uh, six big plastic squares that you can clip together in a few different formations yeah um i personally despise that thing because it has very very it's very sloped and models just slide Um, around on it if it was it looks beautiful but and this is the thing it's a good display board maybe not a good gaming board yeah and it's sold as a gaming board and it's sold on this you can unclip it and move it about but no can you really yeah yeah um I don't like modular stuff personally because again, as in like bits, big set bits. big big blocks that you can you slot together for your board. Yeah. But if we had, yeah. if we're going for three by three, even if we had nine one foot square things, yeah, and then we just rearrange them each time with the terrain built into it. Yeah, so it's fixed on these individual squares. I think it. it I I just I'm not keen. Um, yeah, I like having. So having certain bits of terrain on on bases is helpful, like forests and buildings and stuff like that. But you tend to... The bases are there from a um, practical standpoint, not for in-game kind of thing, unless it's a forest. Yeah. But we we ignore the the small lip you get at the edge of each building from the thing, uh, from the base that it's sat on. Yeah. So, yeah, I think think stuff like that works. Um, and then what? What are your other options? A, a fully fixed board? Yeah, so like a fully defined inbuilt one scene. These can look amazing. Oh, I've they, seen and they some often beautiful do. ones. Um, again, on a weird place, uh, there was a really nice swamp one. Yes, um, that was a couple beautiful. of weeks ago. But you'd get bored of playing games on it. Yeah, I'd love to play on it two or three times, and then I, I want it to be different. Yeah, and quite often, the more realistic it looks, the less good it actually is for gaming, yeah. because obviously in real life a forest doesn't have a clearly defined edge so if you've got something without a clearly defined edge it will look great but then when you're playing you're like well do i measure up to where do i measure to am i in the forest or not it's not clear 
Um, then you get into the well, I wasn't intending to be discussions, yeah. and it's yeah. yeah. Um, but I've moved this model over here to shoot you. Thinking about yeah. it, actually. There is one lot of modular terrain I really, really like. The old cardboard Necromunda yeah. buildings. Um, because the the board itself in Necromunda wasn't much of a thing. It was a flat surface. You didn't, yeah. ever, you didn't ever really put much else in there. You no, just had you... these... It was a vertical system, almost. Yeah. Because you'd have two or yeah. three levels, and that you could change around. And that worked really nicely um, for what it was. Yeah. And yeah. for the... The uh, the time it came out as well because we were discussing how much nice stuff there is out there you can buy now. Yeah, even, yeah. We've got some recommendations at the end of what we've been using. Um, but even ten years, like ten years ago, say even a third of my life ago, yeah, um, it was very hard to find much that was good. I mean, I've got a couple of bits that I bought back then that are still going that yeah. I actually really like. They tended to be... You'd end up with quite a lot of, sort of resin buildings, which were expensive and heavy. Or polystyrene things which that were, were cheaper che- and broke. Yeah, polystyrene stuff. You'd sneeze at it and it just shatters. Yeah. Um, or it was cardboard, and so it was kind of in between the two, but... Yeah, I mean, I love Mordheim scenery, for instance. Yeah. Um, I know there's some Mordheim scenery kicking around in our gaming group that would be great it would fit really nicely yeah. the style would fit really nicely with Malifaux but I'd feel really bad because cardboard has a shelf life yes it will get tatty and damaged yeah. and, and it's quite hard to um, keep it nice for a long a long period of time and I'd feel a bit bad about it and it's quite easy you know if you accidentally lean on it it just bends and sneeze at it and it rolls across the yeah, board yeah and I sneeze very loudly so I, I like the um, the flat board approach of then having a selection of different yeah. things that you, you can put down and move around and put in different places. Um, if, if you like the slopes, like you want it to, to have a, that kind of rolling hill look coming in from the edge of the board, mm. make, make, a, make a hill that starts at the edge of the board and, and rolls in. We used to have quite a few when we used to play Games Workshop things that were... Like yeah, they right, have... right angled hills with a then a circular edge on them. That yeah, sit in the corner. They'd they'd slot nicely up against the corner. Yeah, yeah. stuff um, like that works. I don't. That can be a little bit tricky actually from a gaming point of view because you've got if it's letting you look over things yes. and then it's in a corner. So it's it, in a, somewhere you could say deploy a sniper or something. It all depends on the ranges you're working yeah. with. Yeah, it does. I mean, I just remember playing a lot of Warhammer Fantasy Battle, and well, everyone they were there would immediately your archers on. Yeah, your archers or your cannons would all yeah. go on these lovely placed hills at the back of your deployment zone and be able to see the entire battlefield over their own troops. Yeah. And it's like, really, you're going to take all the hills and put them over there yeah. again, you dick. See, while we're on the subject of hills, I don't, I don't like hills in miniature games. No, I don't. I, I find them annoying because either you've got to have a very steep edge yeah so that you've got clearly i am at this height especially malifaux i am now a height two model standing at height one so i'm looking out at height three yes um or you've got a very very thin slope and it takes up loads of space um yeah and if if you've got a very gradual slope then if you're on the slope are you i mean i suppose when you define the terrain you say if you're not on the top bit of it you're at the bottom yeah um, but 
it, it, they're just awkward. If they're gradual, you can put models on the slope, which comes up with what's the slope issues. If there isn't, then if someone can get halfway up to the top, can, can they balance on the edge? Will the model fall off? Will it damage? The, yeah, they, they, they're just crap. Yeah, I yeah. You end up with it if you've got that. In that case, you end up more with like cliffs. Yes, and it's like, do you have to climb up there? What if I, what if my my movement and I really need to be as close as possible to you puts me so my base is half on half off. Yeah. Past the blue tack, <laughs> and this is it. Um, they are they are difficult. I'm not I'm not keen on them generally. Um, no. I like Mount the, the, when we play on the city board because it, it's flat and there are buildings. Yeah, so it's still got height, but it's easier to yeah. manage and work with. Um, the Necromunda did that as well because all the bits holding up the buildings had ladders built in, so yes. you could just sort of climb up wherever you like. Yeah, and it worked really you had the nicely. gantry ways between them. Yeah. I made some really nice Macromanda scenery a long time ago. Yeah. I wonder what happened to it. Dribbled on and eaten by children. Cool. No, not for the not for the shop, for me. Oh. I think it's at my friend's house. Was dribbled on and eaten by children. <laughs> he never reproduced. He probably borrowed some children. People do that. They do. Yeah. We were talking about that in the pub yesterday. We were. Yeah. And we were talking about jumping over toddlers earlier today. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I recommend my recommendation would be that if you were building something that's completely built together, if you want something that looks amazing, that's going to be a huge centerpiece, just bear in mind the storage implications of it. Yeah. Um, as well as the fact that you need to sort of plan ahead. Yes. Um, if you put down a, a hill and realise you don't like it in a game, then you can just take it off. If you've built that into the board and it's all painted... It's there forever, tough. Or you've got to undo loads and loads of you know, hours of work. Yeah. Um, so especially if you're taking this from a gaming point of view, um, going with things that you can move about, that you can change. You know, if you make a bunch of scenery and it doesn't quite work, get rid of it, start again, repurpose it, whatever. Don't have to cry for the thousand hours you've wasted on your marvellous centrepiece. They do look good, though. They, yeah. There's another one. That, have you seen the... They call it a Dungeons and Dragons board on Facebook and it's been going around and I'm like, you don't have a board like that for Dungeons and Dragons. But it's a castle with a moat with a battlefield and you can like yeah, look in so the I castle. Th- I did see that. I mean I'd love to have something like that, but you know, once I had it and I'd looked at it a thousand times, what do I then do with it? Um really awkwardly try and play games on it. Yeah. <laughs> and be like, Don't lean on the moat, Joe. <laughs> You're cracking the surface. Stop filling it with energy drink, Colin. <laughs> the imaginary fish will drown. <laughs> In energy drink. Yes. Because they wouldn't be able to... I'll get a fish and some energy drink and report back. Um, <laughs> you can mix this up a little bit. So you could have a, a board that's basically flat apart from a couple hills that you could move about and yeah. things like that. Um, but... It's also fairly. It's fairly quick and easy. Just to, it's easy to store the flat board. Well, um, there's some really nice mats. That's exactly what I was yeah. going to say. I I genuinely think they are the way forward now. Yeah, and again, this is stuff that when I were a wee nipper, and from wherever the hell that accent was from, um, you didn't get these kind of you things. You did. You had those horrible, horrible oh. grass mats. Oh. <laughs> the, the Games Workshop ones that were designed to be stretched over wood and then PVA down yeah. and then they, they gave you kind of like this fairy thing but people would just sort of unroll them and play and they were like <laughs> rice fairy rice paper 
Ah, they were awful. <laughs> was just slowly molting in yeah. their bald spots. Oh, yeah, they would they would just ever so ever so slowly just gradually go bald and you'd end up with static grass everywhere. I mean, working in a games workshop in their, in their heyday, you know, it's like coming home and um, it's like the great escape. You'd, you'd walk out the shop, shake your feet, and like four tons of static grass would come down. A bit, bit of modelling sand and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the, the, the new mats, If for anyone that, ha- that hasn't had any um, exposure to them, they are basically giant mouse mats with stuff printed. Yeah. Um... So, Guild Ball comes with a 3x3 pitch mat. Yeah, well, you can buy a... You can buy one, sorry. Yeah. Um, which we... And it comes with a tube to keep it in. Yeah. And it's a, they don't tell you about the tube, but I got a tube. I was really excited. Um, so, in a pinch, we use that as one of our boards at the moment and put some stuff on it. Yeah. Um, we've got uh, your board, which was, a, which was a gaming mat that we stuck down. Because yeah, it was, it was a, a vinyl, vinyl one. one. Yeah. Um, and I, I talked about this when we talked about Malifaux a long time ago, and I wasn't happy with it. Now it's stuck down to a bit of 3x3 MDF. and uh, Properly sealed. And yeah, everything. proper proper men came and made it better for me. Uh, thank I, you, Joe. Thanks, Dad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Joseph's father. Um, yes, because um, he's like a manly man that does things with his hands. And like practical stuff, and I like write stories and roll dice. It's and I look at computers and databases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So proper old school um, DIY skills. Um, now that's flat and edged in with the tape. It looks, it's really it's, nice. It's good, uh, but it's also really easy because you can store it behind the sofa or yeah. under the bed, or and they do also just in Rob's house. Yeah, <laughs> they do now do that um, as a mouse matty type mat, though, don't they? I believe. Yes, yeah. Um, so you we're using a, like a, a cobbled street one, which works really nicely for Malifaux. Um, there's loads of stuff I've seen on Facebook about them recently, and there are quite a few nice ones out there. So if you want to make a, a have a board that's easy to store, because you can't store a big three by three table somewhere. Um, yeah, yeah, having one that just rolls up and you can put on a shelf. Yeah, so it's Ma- awesome. Yeah, so the Guild Ball mat obviously available from Steamforge, but it has the pitch markings on. Yeah. Um, whereas uh, the one I got was from Deep Cut Studios. Cool. Um, and they do all sorts of different sizes and scales and things like that, uh, based on what you're uh, what you're playing. Um, yes. I've seen like advertised recently, like six by four ones for War Machine and things like that. Yeah. Um, they've got a really nice one. I've just loaded up their website. They've got a really nice one that makes me want to play games with like fighter planes and stuff because it's like a top-down view with clouds oh, and cool. uh, stuff like that. I'm sure historical gamers would get a bit of a, a kick out of that. Wouldn't yeah. work for Malifaux. No, there are, there are some there are some cool games of that that style out there. Um, there's some really nice space ones if you play X-wing or Star Trek Attack Wing or still play Battlefleet Gothic. Um, some... I miss Battlefleet Gothic. Yeah. Um, so I know Colin has built himself um, oh, a very complex. It's a flat board, yep. but he has modelled on cobbled streets and various patterns that correspond to Malaflow's deployment zones. Et I believe what he's done is he's put down a massive bit of metal, a bit of steel underneath. Yeah. Then plastic card on top that he's carving the cobblestones into. He's like melting a, them, yeah, like a nutter. Yes. Um, but he does plan on having it all so 
you will be able to look and see deployment zones and stuff yeah. like that. Now, that the, for the metal is there for magnetizing the bases of the scenery, the scenery so, it so it doesn't move about. Probably an extreme length to go to when we it can just would, rely well, on friction and a bit of a rough surface oh, on the bottom. I think it's I think it's genius in its own way. Yeah, oh, um, it's nice, but it is the the effort. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, this is something else that, that's come up as well. Like we use the guild ball one um, fairly frequently, and it's quite nice because it's got six inch end zones, which are your deployment, deployment zone. zones. Yeah, yeah. So um, actually, it's got your deployment zone built in. <coughs> And in the past, when it's been things like um, 40k, when we used to play a lot of it, you would always be wary of kind of going, well, I know how far that is. I remember there being some tables in the shop that it was a case of, oh, I know between that mark on the side and that mark on the side where people have lent is about five and a half inches. Yeah, I was an artillery wanker, so I used to use those yeah. for my advantage from my hills yeah. that I had stuck in the corner of the board. But is that why they were there? <laughs> I may have bought bought some extra <laughs> um, but in Malifaux and a lot of the newer games or newer rule sets for games where you can measure anything whenever you want which yeah. is, is the way forward then having um, those built in doesn't, doesn't matter, matter because yeah. it, it might it might stop you having to go how far is that yeah it, but yeah yeah. I, I'm, I'm, yeah I'm not a fan of, of those uh, yeah, my, my, I think my death cannon's in range I fire, but I miss. I'm half an inch out, and so the death beam dissi- dissipates. Like, yeah. have just taken a step forward and shot you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, no, push, push it forward. There we go. It died. Um, yeah, guessing ranges is not fun. Yeah. But that's a um, whole other thing. Proxying, then, or using very, very simple solutions. So, you know, scenery on a budget. What okay. Do we, what do we recommend? Um, small boxes. Uh, interestingly... These are very very hard to obtain nowadays. Uh, video cases, All right, the old yeah. VHS things, worked nicely as hills. A st- stack of uh, DVDs. Yeah, stack of DVDs works. Books, if you know, if anyone out there is still reading, good on you. Fight the good fight. What's reading, Brian? It's when you stare at dead trees and hallucinate. Oh, cool! Sounds fun. Yeah. Why don't more people do this? Oh, cause it's, it's old school. Because the town is for you. <laughs> <coughs> um, I mean, I I have played games with, um, yeah, a, a couple of books down, a couple of slightly wibbly edged bits of paper with forest written on them. Yeah. Um, and similar. Yeah. <coughs> I've used tins from the cupboard as blocking terrain and yep. impassable terrain. Gr- oil silos. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, this and this is it. And um, I mean, you don't you don't have to invest any money at all. You could literally just write impassable blocking hazardous, yeah, on bits of paper and put them down. Blue tack them to a, a, be a table. bit like playing Vassal because Vassal is just a top down view, yeah. and then you look at the picture. It's a good transition for people. Yeah, start off playing Vassal, <laughs> then then buy some models and have flat terrain, and then yeah. But yeah, yeah, it. it it works. You can you can do it. You aren't actually from a mechanical gameplay point of view. You are not gaining anything by yeah. having nice terrain. Yeah, so it just looks pretty. And if if you know, if, especially if you're new to the game, and you're not wanting to commit extra time, extra money, or you're not sure what you might want to build or what you might want to spend the time on, using yeah. some proxies in that way. Well, especially if it's your first war game. Yes. Like, yeah. I've I've got my bucket of scenery. Um, it's not a bucket. It's a it's an old. 
Before bags for life were a thing, Sainsbury's did boxes you could buy. Like a plastic. A big box. plastic box. It reminds me of the old recycling boxes. Yeah, similar. We used with, to have. With, with handles. Um, so I've got all my sort of scenery in that, which is not well looked after, but it lives at Rob's. Um, so it doesn't have to travel much anymore. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, that that's... I've not bought any of that in the last five years. Not bought any no. of that in the last eight, I don't think, you know. So these things do... You, you can reuse them. It's, it's a good investment if you're a big war gamer, yeah. but you've probably already got scenery if you're a war gamer. If you're not, yeah, think about what you want to do. Yeah, I mean, I've seen simple things as well with people taking strips of cardboard, taking some of those like flat, you know, sort of like those quarter inch Brillo pad kind of yeah. things, not Brillo pads, like rough sponges, cutting them, folding them, gluing them down, dry brushing them, and you've got a, you've got a hedge. Yeah. Uh, for instance, um, you can do a lot of things for not much. There's um, the um, like the model train industry yeah uh, there's a lot of uh trees for instance that you can pick up so for, for like 50p a pound each yeah. um and a few of those glued to go to the pound shop and buy some table mats yeah it'll be a bit square but you've got a square area of forest you glue a couple of those yeah. to it bang put a bit of sand on it paint it up it, it'll look fine i mean if you want to if you want to you you be able to do, do stuff on a budget um yeah, go go buy some really cheap trees. Now the thing with those trees is they normally just have the twisted uh, metal bottoms. Yeah. So you need to mount it. <clears throat> you can go and buy some foam sandwich between cardboard. You can get an A1 sheet for seven quid at Hobbycraft. Yeah. Poke it through there, bend the bottom, glue done. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of things you can do cheap. Yeah, and you can cut that into all sorts of wibbly yeah. wobbly shapes. You can use that foam to make a building. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, terrain and scenery is a very interesting thing because it can be really expensive if yes. you just go and buy it all so you don't have to put any effort in. Yeah. But the, the more money you spend, the less effort you have to put in. <clears throat> and you can go from... I remember the days of going into the garden and picking up a bunch of twigs and gluing them to models' bases or gluing a bunch of those to, a, again, a bit of card and having a couple of them upright and going, oh, it's a forest that's a bit dead, there we go. Yeah. You can make scenery for nothing. You can make yeah. really good-looking scenery for nothing. Yeah. Or you can spend loads of money. And everything in between is just, you're, you're weighing off money and time. Versus maybe your aesthetic judgment and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, so... Yeah. I mean, I, I've spent lots of money on scenery, but... It took me about 18 months after we got back into wargaming to do that. To actually start buying up the scenery. Yeah. I wanted a board, but I wasn't necessarily fussed about there being anything super shiny on those boards. Yeah. Um, and then I started, play, isn't it? Yeah, and then I started seeing lots of nice stuff and it kind of sparked my imagination. Um, so I think that's what we'll, uh, we'll talk about finally then just some of the stuff that we've we've got yeah. we've got and maybe make a few recommendations as i said uh, deep cut studios for the maps um and they do make those in a kind of mouse map material now i can't vouch for the quality of their mouse map material but the vinyl one was fine um you know i'm happy with uh with what i paid for it oh they've got carrying bags too so just uh, looking at their website with they're going to end up buying loads of swamp stuff yeah because it's nice to sometimes you know think of having a theme for your board so we've got the city and we've got the 
um, the wilderness yep. at the moment. But I've been considering making a swamp board and that kind of thing. Um, there's some really nice MDF buildings out there uh, that you can buy. Um, and again, it's something that 10 years ago I could only have dreamed of. Mm-hmm. Now comes out. There's there's lots of companies making it. Uh, they're they're modular, so you just press them out of the boards. They're all laser cut. That's the technology that's allowed it. Yeah. And some of the companies are doing some great stuff where they're kind of burning at different depths, or they're cutting things through, and you end up with patterns, and you stack multiple bits together, and you get a really ornate effect. For instance, um, I started off with uh, Dark Ops. Uh, they make some uh, some really nice scenery for the Iceheim game. Okay. Uh, which I've repurposed for Malifaux. So I've got some crypts and some ruined walls and that really nice gate. Yes. That looks lovely, but... It's a bit impractical. It's a little bit impractical, but it looks good. So sometimes I just put it at, like on the edge of the board where <laughs> it's not going to harm anyone, but it can look nice. Yeah. Um, I then moved on to Sarissa Precision, which are uh, another UK-based company. Mm. And they have a huge range. And I've kind of raided, because of Malifaux being kind of like a hodgepodge mix anyway. Yeah, yeah, Western steampunk, horror, Victorian kind of all sorts of stuff. Yeah, so I've got like a, from there sort of south of the border, Mexican range, I've got the, um, what's supposed to be a station, but it's that nice cross-shaped building. Yeah. Um, I picked up a church uh, from sort of more their sort of medieval side of things. Um, I've got, a graveyard from them uh, and all sorts of different bits and pieces uh, so they're quite nice and then I found them I don't know whether it's because being a modeler and a hobbyist uh, it was you know it was part of part and parcel of, of the skills that you've accrued over being years a, yeah. Yeah. But I found them really easy to put together they go together with PVA glue awesome and it kind of it kind of cures it it, it seeps into it because MDF is kind of that compressed kind of wood chippings and such like yep. and it kind of melts it slightly it makes the actual wood itself go slightly okay. slightly melty and then you get this kind of this window of time where you just kind of go put them together and it almost instantly fuses oh that's good so you just need to leave it for a so it is quite easy so. to assemble the yeah I found it really easy to assemble um, apart from that one building's roof apart from that one building's roof where that was more the building than than anything the way yeah. it'd been put together and I managed to snap it but I was still able to glue it back together and yeah a little it, bit of a repair so. job and it was fine so yeah um, so they're quite good I've also been we've been using for the, the city board um, I bought some Mars Attacks Ruins which I really like yeah for, for a simple thing they yeah. work nicely they're plastic um, so you just um you know, clean them up. They they clip together um, at right angles using little plastic joints that you put in, and then you just clip them together. A little bit of glue to keep them to keep them there, and they're actually really easy to sort of paint and such like because you can just literally dry brush them once you've sprayed them. MDF can be a little bit tricky to to paint because it can because it's again because it's that compressed stuff. It can kind of soak up your paint. It can draw it in. Uh, you need to use maybe a, a very lightly textured paint uh, just to base coat it uh, first. Could you um, spray the like hard coat varnish stuff on first? Paint over that. I have no idea. 
let us know if you've tried it if it's ruined your thing yeah. or if it worked really well and then we'll, we'll let people know if that's a good idea or not um, but it, it sounds like a good idea yeah I would have thought <laughs> it would work but might I get thought pricey. many things would work in the past and they've not yeah it might get pricey um, I remember using um, polystyrene uh, cement, uh, sorry polystyrene um bits oh and trying to glue it and trying to glue it with polystyrene <laughs> cement and it just eats it it just, just eats into yep. it and then i remember being well, maybe about 10 and, and thinking well this is cool I'll, I'll make something and then i'll melt the top of it and it'll look like craters yes and then and then being high as a fucking kite <laughs> on the fumes because i hadn't ventilated properly um so you know yeah. make sure you work in a well ventilated uh, area um the other thing that I've uh, I've been I've been looking at and I've picked up and played with, so I, I can vouch for for the quality of it. Although I haven't bought any, uh, Games Workshop surprisingly <gasps> do some really nice plastic scenery. Do they? Yeah, they do. Um, there's some nice pipelines that they've done for Warhammer Forty Thousand okay. that would fit anything mining themed for Malifaux. How many mortgages are they? Um, they they are. They're a little bit on the pricier end, they're, they're yeah. more so than a comparatively sized MDF piece. Okay. Uh, but they do some nice sort of fantasy style buildings, and their their citadel woods are actually I really like. They've got a nice creepy kind of gothic feel to them. The trees okay. are, are are actually quite big and yeah. imposing. Um, the only problem with those is that the leaves you're supposed to glue onto them. They're like these sort of flat sheets of plastic leaves, and you glue them onto the branches on the top, and they're mm. crap, and they just snap and break uh, off. Yes. Uh, so um, you you need to ignore the leaves, and sadly you've got to pay for them. But about eighteen pounds for a okay. eight inch by four inch rectangle, slightly distended yeah. of woods. Um, they used to sell them in three packs, but I don't think they do anymore. Um, but again, if you're after something quick and you don't mind spending the money out. I like those. They're quite nice. Yeah. And it depends what you're, what you're getting into this for. I suppose if you need us to persuade you to get more scenery, you're probably more of a gamer. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully we've shared some tips and some ideas with you anyway, even if you're really big into your scenery. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's some... Like, <clears throat> it's almost a perfect, perfect example. There's an extra large rocky hill by Battlefield in a box that looks amazing. Yeah. Using it in a game, however could be potentially very very awkward yes yeah although it's it is more cliff like in places which makes it more practical but again also part, possibly quite awkward i've always wanted some rivers on boards yeah but they tend to look a bit weird if you do have a flat board um because then you end up with a lip and then the river in there and it's, it looks a bit strange so it's the kind of thing i, I wouldn't mind at some point maybe making a board you know, like we're talking like the one by one squares, yeah, with a river yeah. cut into it, and then you rearrange them, and then you put your other terrain on top. Um, yeah. But I've seen some really nice, um, almost like playmat style things. So the the river is on a mouse mat like material, and you just lay it end to end across the board. Yeah, which depending on what you're after. Yes, yeah. Could, could look great if you good. think it would be really cool to play with a river, then that'd be a good solution. If you yeah. want something to look amazing, then maybe, uh, maybe Less not. So, yeah. Uh, excellent. So hopefully, um, we have uh, piqued your interest in maybe looking back at your Malifaux game and asking yourself: Are you using enough terrain? Are you using a big enough variety of terrain? And could you maybe 
get your hands dirty, pick up some more, change what you've got, uh, and play around. We'd love to see if anyone's out there's built any of these amazing boards, um, or has used anything really weird as a proxy that you've taken a, a picture of that looks really, really strange. Yeah. Uh, then please let us know. Um, best way to, to do that is through Twitter. Uh, we are at critical underscore twits. You can uh, obviously... Uh, always like, share, and subscribe to uh, to what we do. That would make us very happy. We do, um, we do encourage these things. Yes, yeah. Good wholesome um, activities. Because we talk about Malifaux once a month. We talk about tabletop board games. Uh, we try to make it fun. We try to make it interesting. So if you have liked what we've done, subscribe for more of the same. Mm. And maybe some surprises now that we're a year old. Mm. We could learn to walk. That's about right, isn't it? I learned to walk before I could crawl. Really? Yeah. That doesn't surprise me, actually. I would run to the bottom of the garden, fall over, and then shout because I couldn't get anywhere to get up again. That's brilliant. Yes. It's like you, you, it makes, makes you seem like some kind of wind-up toy. Essentially. So you, you pick the child up, point it at something, it would run, fall, and then it would be You'd over. You'd have to go and pick it up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe put a bit of spin on you so you ran around in a circle <laughs> and came back. Some kind of weird child boomerang. Yeah, just kind of knock you around the ear as you set off. <laughs> or maybe that's child abuse. On that note, yes. uh, I've been Brian Ennis. I've been Joe Lewin. Uh, we have been the critical twits, mostly. Possibly running before we could we could yes. crawl. Um, yeah. And we'd love to hear from you. Um, please get in touch. Until next time, bye. Bye. Why do I make a squeaky noise? I don't know. Same reason I wave. Yeah, I wave too. <laughs>